Carrie Schaefer, also known as author Carrie Ann King, and you are listening to Tell Me Your Secrets, where I get to take you off the page with the people who make the books we all love to read. Tell Me Your Secrets is produced from live stream video and is owned and copyrighted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Broadcasting Network. Hey, everybody, Carrie Schaefer or Carrie Ann King here today uh, with Tell Me Your Secrets, which is uh, owned and copyrighted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Um, I am here today with another fantastic guest, and I'm going to introduce her to you real quick before I bring her on. So I'm here with Jody Millman, who is the author of The Midnight Call. This is a really pretty kind of creepy thriller with lots of thrills and chills and police procedural stuff. It has won a ton of awards. So this isn't even all of them. So it has won the 2020 Bronze Ippy Award from the Independent Book Publishers Association. Um, third place there, Mainstream Fiction. Uh, Writer's Touch Readers Award. Wisconsin RWA finalist. Best First Novel. 2020 National Reader's Choice Awards. I This is like the Golden Quill Awards, Desert Rose, Clue Award, Best Police Procedural from um, Shanty Reviews. This this book for it's a debut and has just absolutely done fantastically. And I can't wait to introduce you to Jody and to hear some of the stories about what is going on with this book and where the ideas came from. So I'm going to bring her on right now. Hi, Jody. Hey, Carrie. How are you? Good to see I, you. <laughs> Good to see you today. I I completely, for those of you who know me, you'll not be surprised, had a space cadet moment yesterday or earlier, actually, in the week. And I had um, rescheduled this and invited Jody to be here well, yesterday, only I was thinking it was today. So she messaged me. She says, I'm here. Where are you? Like, not there. <laughs> I think we've all entered the time warp continuum. I mean, you know, nobody knows what day it is. You know? I, I, I'm always in, in a time warp. 24-7, you know, so. Absolutely. I, I live in a time warp continuum. It's normal for me. I really, time and I have a very strange relationship. And then my Viking, who used to be very good at time, he retired a couple of years ago. Now he's very delighted to never know what day it is. And um, yeah, so life is weird but here you are which is so absolutely awesome so very first thing first for those of you who are watching live we want to see the cover we love covers so please jody will you show us here we there are it is. The yes yeah oh, look there we go yes <laughs> and it is it all begins with a midnight call so tell us about that just a little bit um what happens with this book the story is about a young woman. She's an attorney and she's seven months pregnant. She's a corporate attorney and she gets a call from her mentor in the middle of the night. And the first words out of his mouth are, I think I've killed someone. Oh my and gosh. Yes. And from that moment on, she, you know, she runs to off to help him and her life really spirals down the drain. I mean, she places her life in jeopardy, her career, her relationship, and even her unborn child uh, out of loyalty to help her mentor. Yeah. 
it's a thrill ride. It really is a thrill ride. It is a thrill ride. It's so many twists and turns. And you don't expect this from your mentor. It's, you know, your mentor is supposed to be the person who looks out for you, takes care right. of you. And um, so... Well, well, the underlying question is, was he was he evil and was he a monster all along and she didn't see it out of loyalty? Right. right. You know, or was or is this something that really did he snap? I mean, was this something that was very recent? Yes. So it's, it's a really interesting question as to do we really know the people that are nearest and dearest <laughs> to us? Well, and that's, it's a really good question, because you see that every time there's a serial killer, it's like all the neighbors are like, but he seemed like such a nice boy. (laughs) He was so quiet. We didn't even know he was in there slaughtering people, you know, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, I, I would love to have you read the first page for us. Um, sure. Don't don't stop in the middle of a sentence or something. You can go over to the end of the, you know, turn the page, finish the paragraph. Sure. <laughs> I'd be happy to do that. Awesome. Now, I want to point out the book is not a who done it because as you'll hear from the first line of the book, it's a why done it. A why, why done it. Why do it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is chapter one. I think I've killed someone. The man's voice whispered across the phone lines. Terrence. Jessie Martin's voice croaked husky with sleep. She'd know her mentor's voice anywhere, anytime, even in the middle of the night. In the pitch darkness, Jessie bolted upright in bed and blinked the sleep out of her eyes. What are you talking about? I've done a terrible thing, committed a sin against God, he said. The anguish in his voice made the fine hairs on her skin prickle with fear, and her hand flew up with a desire to protect the baby tumbling around inside her swollen belly. Yet... It was the slow, quiet monotone of his voice that frightened Jessie even more than his confession. Her mentor was usually had a confident, intense voice that commanded attention. Tonight, it was flat, as if he was no longer aware of reality. There's blood everywhere, Terence's hollow voice cracked. He was just a boy, a boy. I don't know how it happened. Oh, my God, what have I done? Nothing was making any sense, Terence Butterfield. Her mentor, her teacher, her friend, a killer? Impossible. But if what he said was true, the only way for her to help him was to remain cool and calm. She inhaled deeply to repress the panic, crushing her chest, and blew it out in a slow, cleansing breath as she'd learned in Lamaze class. She turned toward Kyle's side of the bed, empty. She gripped his pillow with her fist. She'd find him in a moment. Terrence, how? What happened? Was there an accident? She tried to control the tremor in her voice. No, it was not an accident. <laughs> it doesn't sound like an accident. Um, no, it wasn't. Yeah. Well, you have to read it to find out a little bit you more. Do. You have to read it to find out. But the thing that gets really complicated from, from right there is because Jessica is an attorney. So she immediately starts thinking, you know, um, as soon as she calms down a little bit in lawyer thoughts, um, which you know all about because, Jody, you are actually an attorney. I am, yes, an attorney for uh, many, many, many years now. I just went back to <coughs> my law school for our 40th graduation, you know, for our 40th uh, reunion. So Goodness. that's how long I've been an attorney. <laughs> so do you practice criminal law or are you in a no. different field? No, I was a matrimonial litigator. I did divorces. 
and I did family, you know, family court and custody. So I did a little bit of criminal. I mean, I didn't do major, um, you know, I did, you know, parking tickets and speeding and a DWI here and there, but I didn't do, uh, you know, murder trials, murder, murder charges. And, And yet you have told me that there is a story behind the story. So this is Jody's secret. And I really, really, I don't know this story yet, but I want to hear it. So tell it, tell us the goods about the story behind the story. Well, it really starts back in 1969 because I was in junior high school and we had a, a, a really charismatic teacher named Albert Fentress. And he was the type of guy that, you know, really related to the students. And, you know, like when you go back to visit your, your school, you go see certain teachers. He was one of those guys that kept in touch with us and that we would go back to see. Yeah. If you fast forward to 1979, when I graduated from, from law school, I come home. It's August. After I take the bar exam, I open up the Poughkeepsie Journal, which is our local paper, and splashed across the headline is teacher held in connection with student's death. And I scan down and whose face was there? My history to my world history teacher, Albert Fentress. And uh, it was it really was a a difficult situation for the community because he was such so well liked. it was difficult because I mean, here I knew a killer. I mean, and, and the question that I asked myself and that I guess my classmates also continue to ask ourselves is what kind of jeopardy were we in during this time? Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what made him snap in 1979 that didn't make him snap in 1969. So it was really an an interesting situation. And also because, um, it was the first case to hold that a defendant can make a request to be declared um, criminally unable, mentally unable to stand trial. Right. Usually that's left to a trier effect, which is a judge or jury. Right. In this particular case, it was the first case in the United States where the actual defendant could, could make that request to the court. Oh, wow. Okay, so it's really a landmark case. Yeah. And what happened was he was held to be declared incompetent to stand trial, was placed into a a psychiatric center where he remains to this day. But under the law, every two years, he can make a request to be get out. So this case is constantly like rearing its very ugly head in our community. So yeah, it's it's really, and it's a story that haunted me, you know, from 19... and haunted me. Well, of course it did. I, it would change the way that you view the world, like totally, you know, the, for um, safety, I, yeah. somebody yeah. that you trusted being capable of something like that be very unsettling. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's not a secret. It's kind of open knowledge, but it's, um, it's the story behind the story. And it was yeah. one of the this is a you know a retelling of that story. What I did was I took that seed of a teacher who murders a student, right. and then I took that and I created my characters and I kind of wrapped the whole story around that seedling and made it grow. Right. Wow. And and I I guess and the book did change in the writing as as it should and as they do. Um. But how how fascinating that you were part of you know that whole um, landmark case. I yes. by the way I have worked as a um, mental health crisis responder in Washington State. Um. 
my job was to be the person who would say, hey, this person needs to be locked up because they're dangerous. And yeah, the judges couldn't do it. Cops couldn't do it. Docs can't do it. it anyways, a lot of responsibility. And, yes, yes. Yeah. It is. <laughs> and a lot of adrenaline. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into that right now. So a very interesting. Now, here's a fun, interesting fact that I didn't know. Um, May 1st, May Day. <laughs> Has has a whole different meaning um, for lawyers, and I I don't know if the rest of you knew this. You win a prize, but um, <laughs> Jody, Jody's going to tell us what May Day or the first of May is really. Um, there's a special holiday for her there. Well, there is. Well, May Day um, was started by uh, Dwight Eisenhower to recognize how the impact that laws have had upon our life and to recognize that really that we are a country of laws. So one thing that I can tell people to do is that if they contact their local bar associations and they have questions, there should be banks of lawyers who are there to provide the free legal services for them on May Day. Really? Yeah, yeah. So it's now that really is cool. a secret. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's a really cool thing. If you check your local bar association, and let's say you've got a you know a landlord tenant question, or you have a copyright question, or um, you know they won't give you they'll they'll point you in the right direction. You know what I mean? And they'll help you. So it's it's really a celebration of as I see it, the Constitution of the United States, which is something I think we all hold near and dear to us. Yeah, that, that's really cool. And I, I like I had never heard of this. So, you know, it's like <laughs> one of the one of those secrets, especially free legal advice is something that yeah. many of us are not, are not going to pass up. Exactly. Exactly. That's a very, very cool thing. Um, any other, like, let's see, anything happened for you, like as an attorney, I know there's confidentiality and privilege and all of that. Is there anything that you can tell us that was really surprising for you um, when you got, you became a lawyer? Well, I had a really kind of an interesting path to becoming a lawyer because um, I always, I would say from the time I was 14, I wanted to become a lawyer. And the reason why my grandfather was an attorney and I really admired him. And he was the oldest practicing attorney in the state of Maryland. And he was also an attorney who obtained a, a pardon, a presidential pardon from, I think it was, it was Warring Harden, uh, Warring Harding. So we have kind of the law in our family. Yeah. But I got a summer job working as an intern in a law office. And I thought, gee, you know, I worked as a legal secretary and I thought to myself, you know, why be a secretary when I can be a lawyer? So from the time that I was 14 and, you know, I'd read um, To Kill a Mockingbird and I fell in love with that and I fell in love with the law. So from that point on, that's I wanted to become a lawyer. I mean, I was very I was very goal centric. Um, and then when I went to law school, I'd also been involved, and this is a secret, um, I uh, was a DJ. Really? In college, I was a DJ on, the, on our station at, uh, at, um, in Syracuse University. And then also I was a professional DJ at WPDH here in Poughkeepsie, which is the home of rock and roll. And I wanted to go into entertainment law. So my third year of law school, I transferred from Syracuse Law School down to NYU, and I studied copyrights, trademarks, patents, um, what you would call IP law today. Uh -huh. um, and at that time, I graduated with 78, 79. And if anybody remembers, that's when the music industry tanked. Uh -huh. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I kind of took the knowledge of an information I had. I came back to Poughkeepsie, practiced law, and um, eventually had my own practice. And I was able to do publishing law and copyright law in addition to the matrimonial law that I told you about. Right. I've had a very meandering path. And then um, in in the early 2000s, I went uh, back to school and I got my master's in English literature. Oh, wow. And my thesis was in law and literature. So I was able to combine my two interests, literature and the law. And then from then, I went on to start writing first nonfiction and then fiction. Right. And The Midnight Call is my, my debut novel. Yeah. And how, so is there another one in the works? There is another one in the works, uh, yes, and it's out for submission to publishing houses. So I'm hopeful that maybe in 2022, we will see uh, the, quote, sequel to uh, The Midnight Call. I was wondering if there might be a sequel. Not to give anything away, but I just, you know, I finished the book and I was like, oh, I wonder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the last line is a zinger. I get a lot of... uh, I get, I get a lot of comments about that. Like, why did you do that? <laughs> why didn't you just wrap it up? <laughs> but I didn't. So the next book's, the next book's a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's in a whole different direction. Oh, well, good. I, I mean, I, I, it's always good to have something new, not that it needed to be in a new direction. I had to, I had to qualify that. <laughs> well, the, this one, it's, um, the next one is about what I try to do is take local crimes in the Hudson Valley. Uh-huh. And again, I spin them. This next one is based upon or inspired by, we had a serial killer here in Poughkeepsie. And for over a period of two years, he was soliciting prostitutes, taking them back to his house and murdering them and burying uh-huh. them in his basement. So, and it turns out that he was soliciting them outside of my law office. So, <laughs> so again, I have a, a, a tenuous personal connection to this one. Yeah. And, um, it was also very inspirational for the next book. Wow. You've had a lot of kind of narrow escapes. Um, uh, yeah, I guess you can put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, you know, that third degree thing um, of connection, you've just right. been kind of on the on the verge, uh, which is awesome. But, you know, then you have a completely other side of your life. So I wanted to talk about this because I think this is fascinating. You do a podcast and your podcast doesn't have anything to do with the law and it doesn't yep. have anything to do with literature. So yep. tell tell us about that. What's it called and um, what is it? Well, in Poughkeepsie, we have what's it's it's called the Bardavon 1869 Opera House. And it's the longest continuing operating venue in the United States. And I mean, it started... If if you look at, if you go back and historically look at this theater, you've had the Barrymores, you've had Frank Sinatra, you've had Bing Crosby, you've had, um, you know, uh, Mark Twain appear on the floorboards of this particular theater. And that's just in the old days. I mean, recently we had one of Aretha Franklin's last performances. We've had John Legend. We had Santana actually bring his Madison Square Garden show to the Bardavon. How I mean, cool. It's a 950 seat theater, which is absolutely fantastic. And so uh, I would have to say about two years ago, I approached uh, my, my uh, producing partner, Pat Watson, and I approached 
the Bardavan and said, look, you had this amazing history. Why don't we create a podcast? And what we'll do is we will interview, you know, people who have appeared and people who will be appearing on the stage. So in the past two years, we've we've interviewed people like Mary Stewart Masterson, the actress and, and act political activist. Um, she appeared with the Hudson Valley Philharmonic. We've interviewed her. Mum and Chance, I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're kind of a mime puppet group out of, um, out of Europe. Um, John Hall of Orleans, Danny Lewis, who is the lead singer for um, Government Mule. Um, I mean, it's uh, Morali Coriel. I mean, we've done, we've done 14 shows and it's really been interesting. It's been challenging as I'm sure it has been for you during the pandemic because it's called Backstage with the Bardavon, and the whole idea is to interview people backstage at the Bardavon. Right, right. Nobody's at the Bardavon because it's been shut down because of the pandemic, and so people aren't performing. So we have been reaching out, you know, on Zoom to people, which has been a challenge, but also it adds another, an audio-visual dimension to our program. Yeah. So it's been really fantastic. I mean, I was able to interview... Um, there was a movie that came out on HBO, um, I think it was a year ago, and it was um, a documentary about the Apollo Theater, which is a very famous theater in Harlem. And it was, and it was, called, it was called the Apollo Theater. And we were able to interview the producer, Lisa Cortez, and subsequently that film went on to win an Emmy and be nominated for the Oscar last year. Wow. So it's just really incredible the people that we've been able to to you know bring to a podcast yeah. from the Bardavon Theater. How fun. So and I assume we can find this podcast on Apple and all of iTunes, yeah, iTunes, Spotify, Google. We've just added to iHeartMedia. So and it's absolutely free. So I mean Check us out. We, we do everything from, you know, rock to classical. I mean, it's just really a lot of fun. How cool. And it's backstage at the Bardavon, right? B-A-R. the Bardavon, yes. With the, okay. With I did this Bardavon. wrong. Backstage with the Bardavon. B-A-R-B-A-V-O-N. I think I spelled it right, though. So. Yes, you did. Yes. <laughs> All right. So look it up, find the podcast. Where else can we find you? Where can your readers find you? I, I know we have your website, which is yes. jodysusanmillman.com. And if you're listening to the recorded version of this, that's spelled Jody is J-O-D-E-S-U-S-A-N, Millman, M-I-L-L-M-A-N.com. Um, and where else are you on the internet? Are you on Facebook? I'm on Facebook at, at Jody Susan Millman. I am on Instagram at Jody Writes. And I mean, people can find me on Goodreads. They can find me on BookBub. Uh, right. They can also, if people are interested, I also am a reviewer for BookTrip.com. They can find my book reviews on BookTrip.com. Okay. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm busy and people can find me. And please, they can they can write me anytime through my website. And I do, I do like contact with the, the fans and I'm happy to write back. Awesome. So go ahead and drop Jody a line. Remember, if you're listening, Jody is J O D E, and there may or may not be an accent over that E. Sometimes you see it with, and sometimes you see it without. But when you're searching her, um, look for her with J O D E, um, not like with an I or something. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's so awesome. And I'm excited that you have another book out there. And I can't wait, you know, to uh, hear the good news that a publisher has picked it up. <laughs> and, um, you and me both. <laughs> I know. It's always nerve wracking for writers. And we've got our, our book babies out there looking looking for their new publishing home. But uh but you know, now these days there's there's always the other option of putting it out yourself and that can just be extremely rewarding as well. So Exactly. So there we go. I thank you so much for being here today. This was really fun. I love your stories. These are fascinating. I I am a I love watching things like Criminal Minds and you know, those kind of shows. So I got into your book and uh, I love knowing that there's actually a kernel of a true story behind it. That's yes, there is. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. This has been, uh, this has been fun. And um, I, I want to thank you for having this program where you, where people get to tell you their secrets. And it really is wonderful that you have, that you're promoting authors the way that you are. Oh, thank you. It's fun for me. I love doing it. I love books. I want to see them all out in the world and help them find their readers. So thanks again for being here. This was really cool. I will be back uh, next week again with another guest. So tune in and I will see you all then. Bye, everybody. Bye, Jody. Bye.